0: To much higher levels of performance and success. There's a link in the show notes. Click on it to find out more. All right, let's get started. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the No Limit Selling Podcast, where we talk with leaders on how they grow their people, how they grow their revenue, and how they help the world be a better place. And before we get started, I wanted to let you know there's something special coming up from yours truly. It's an app. It's called Mindset Boosters. It's got applied neuroscience on audio tracks that show you how to get the change you want when you need it. For example, if you're not feeling the magic today to pick up the phone and make those calls, listen to a track, and in six minutes, it'll make you feel like a beast and unstoppable. If you've lost a big deal, in five minutes, it's going to get you to rebound, so you get back on track and start selling and start making a difference for you, your family, and your company. And today, we have Brian Wolves with us today. He is the head honcho at uh, B2B Growth. And what they do is help your calendar get filled with appointments with the people you want to do business with, people that have cash and have a need. And Brian, thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: So Brian, it seems like a really simple thing, uh, setting appointments, That's you know sales 101, but it is so difficult to do in this day and age because people are guarding their phone, phones still work, but getting through the voicemail, getting through the gatekeeper and getting through the noise that everyone hears is getting more and more challenging. You've got another approach, how to get people to reach back out to you because they want to talk to you and they want to do business with you. Frame it up for us. What do you do and how do you do it?
1: Well, yeah, it's a great question. So basically what we do is we help our clients have a full sales calendar of people that are excited to work with them and can afford what they do. And we do this via LinkedIn or Facebook or both. And it's all organic, no ads, no cold calling, nothing like that. And in order to do that, there's a few things that have to happen. Number one, there has to be a filter. You have to find your ideal client. Yeah, first of all, you know who they are and you got to filter them and find your ideal client. The second thing you want to do is you want to create compelling or what we call beyond compelling messaging so that people are scratching on the wall to work with you. So your offer has to be such that it's beyond compelling. And number three, you have to reach these people in a way that's not going to jeopardize your brand. So it maintains the integrity of your brand and is almost the way we do our messaging is more altruistic. We're not trying to sell anything. We're not sending them a link, you know, click here, buy this, buy that we're really building long-term relationships. And because of that, we fill our sales calendars quite easily for ourselves and also for our clients. All right, we're
0: gonna dig deeper into all of that. So you're minding your own business, doing whatever you're doing, and then you see this need. How do you go from identifying the need to actually setting up a company that you actually offer this service? Were you the first guinea pig trying to figure out how to do it?
1: So that's a really great question. So what happened was I had another marketing agency and then I had this, uh, this person reach out to me who was asking about you know how could i how could i find that basically there were 3 of these big companies that he wanted to get as clients and we were, were talking about multiple six figures of profit per month per client for wow. his company wow. and i was doing some other work with him and we knew we had a mutual friend and he asked me can you help me with this and i said sure well what are you doing now And he said well, we're doing cold calling we're doing linkedin and we're doing email i said well what am i going to do i don't, i know nothing about all three <laughs> you know cuz i was doing like facebook ads for like service based Right. This was many years ago. So anyway, long story short, I said, "Okay, I'll give it a go." And he said, "Oh, yeah, I'll give you twenty percent perpetuity." I thought, "Okay, let me give it a go," and so I bought courses. You know, I spent about a couple hundred grand on different things to try to figure out, okay, how what's the best way to do it. And what I learned is the best way to do it is the opposite of what everyone's teaching. And that's how B two B growth online was formed. So of those three companies, we closed two of them. Nice. I didn't do the closing, by the way, because I, I really don't, I don't really understand. What I just he reap does. the
0: rewards. I love that.
1: Right. So all I did was put them in front of the right people, and I got them to respond in a way that was professional. And you know, one of the guys, one of the companies was listed on the Nasdaq, and we were joking around about Seinfeld and the messaging after I went through my other stuff. So it's just, it was just very casual, very chill. But again, maintaining the integrity of the brand, and then from there, because you know, he had about fifty people working on getting these companies, and it took me about nine months to figure it out. Um, and I went after smaller companies first. So like we, I think we closed about eight or nine smaller companies and then I realized, okay, what I got now, I I got my system down. So then we went after the big, the big companies. Like I said, we closed two of them. Um, and uh, the rest is history. So I, what I thought to myself is, listen, if I can get to directors of companies doing over 400 million year in revenue, companies listed on the NASDAQ, I can definitely help small business owners and entrepreneurs reach their target market. And that's how B2B Growth Online was formed.
0: So let's kind of step back a bit. So first you tried your system out on smaller companies to kind of perfect it before you went after the bigger game. Now that's something that a lot of people would do badly in two ways. Number one, they'd stay in the small space and never attempt the larger companies. And other people would go for the larger companies first and then fail and burn and maybe burn bridges. So how did you set the parameters of we're going to try small companies. What was the uh, trigger event that we'll be successful in three of them and then we'll go after the bigger game? Frame that up for us. How did you figure that out?
1: Yeah, so it, it was really, I just sat down one day and I really mapped it out. And I thought, okay, what's the best way to do this? Like you said, I don't want to burn these bridges with these large companies. So how do I do this? What's the best way? And the best way was to go after small companies. And when I my goal was to get five of them. But it was going so well with what I was doing, nine of them closed. Like it, it was just so easy. And when that happened, I, like, it was just happened so fast. In other words, it took me nine months. And in about three weeks, we closed nine of them. And I didn't really plan on closing nine of them. And again, I didn't do the sales calls. The, the, the other company did all that. But I put them in front of the right people, nice. the smaller guys. So I didn't really have I – I set my mind at five. But it just happened so fast that we, we had nine that, that, they, that these guys closed. And then from there, I thought, okay, I have something very special. And then I really mapped it out even more for different niches. So some of the niches, for example, might be manufacturing, might be econ. You may be going after you know, small companies with fewer than 10 employees. You may be going for companies that have 200 employees. And so I had to map all that out because the messaging is different and the SOPs, the standing operating uh, procedures are different based on that. So be- now I have everything you can imagine under the sun. I have clients that are going after the big fish. We just had a client that closed IBM, for example. I had a client that signed up with me 10 days ago 36k you made in those first 10 days. So it really depends on who's, you know, thank you. It really depends on what, you know, what people are, are, are going for. So I have videographers, I got everything you can possibly imagine. And people always ask me, you know, well, who exactly can you help? And the truth is this, if your ideal clients are on LinkedIn, or Facebook, or both, and your offer is something that people want, I can help
0: you. All right, so let's craft one up. We're gonna... You heard me talk about the app. It's an app's coming out. It's basically going to be for salespeople. The help you need is on an app. So one of the examples would be people come home from work, and everyone can tell that dad's home, but mentally he's checked out. So before dad walks into the house, he brings up the app. He goes to uh, let go of work, and in six minutes forty-four seconds, it drains the stress out from the day, and they get to re-experience the very first time they fell in love with their wife, with all that warmth and love and bit of lust in there. And with that in their heart, they walk in the house and they're fully present and they connect with their kids, their wife, the family dog. So this is going out to VPs to get their salespeople to stay in their optimal sales zone. So they get the help when they need it, where they need it. So we're going after VPs of large companies. How do we package the messaging? I guess, is that the first thing you do is say, okay, you need the messaging to be right and not selfish, but offering service. So walk me through just the brainstorming of that.
1: The very first thing I do is, do you have proof of concept? So it sounds really great what you're doing. We do. Do you have proof of concept? So in other words, I only take on clients that I know I can help. In other words, because we have a full money back guarantee, I don't want to give anybody a refund. Okay. Absolutely. Right. So because of that, I only work with clients that I know for sure I can help. So if you have proof of concept, that other VPs have used that. If you have case studies, you have testimonials, then we can have a conversation. So that's number one. Number two, got to find the VPs. You said of large companies. Well, how large? Is it over 10,000 employees? Is it between 200 to 500? I need to know more details about who exactly you're going to. So let's say we pick
0: uh, car dealers in uh, the northeast of the US.
1: Yeah, it's very simple. So it's just on LinkedIn. You can use the filtering on Sales Navigator uh, to find those. In other words, there's no other platform on the planet that has a better filtering system than LinkedIn and Sales Navigator. So you can really find your exact ideal client on, on that platform. So we would we would do a filtering on Sales Navigator, and then we would find your ideal clients. And then when we create a messaging sequence that you can do it automated, you can do it manually, you can hire people to do it. You can do a hybrid, which is what I do. I do a hybrid of manual and automation. Of course, I have a team that does that, but I have all the SOPs and the scripting and what that actually looks like. And part of the service that we do for our clients is that we write all that out for them. So they're not guessing and figuring out what what the heck they got to do.
0: So is that a drip that happens on LinkedIn or do you take it more to email? Uh, So walk me through how that works.
1: Great question. So you can do email, you can scrape emails, you can create uh, an email drip. Uh, You have to be careful creating too many emails because again, this is cold email. So if you do email, we don't recommend more than two emails, one email, just spelling it all out. And you can send it to a landing page, it's customized and there's a lot of other things that probably out of the scope of of this uh, podcast. Um, But then also you can put them on a messaging drip uh, using certain tools that you can use that are shown to be very safe. I've been doing this for years, never had any problems, never had my account restricted. You have to make sure they're they're web-based and not Chrome-based. And you can put them on a messaging drip. But again, the messaging is really not about what you do. And this is where a lot of people go wrong. They're trying to sell their stuff without building a relationship. So what we try to do is we try to find something that Is interesting. For example, you might want to comment if on their profile on LinkedIn, your ideal client may have done some volunteer work at the Red Cross, for example. You would comment on that on your connection request. You wouldn't even talk about what you do. Because guess what? Everyone can see what you do because if your profile is optimized properly, which is also something that we help clients, they already know what you do. So it's not about trying to sell them, it's about building that relationship. So let's talk
0: about a LinkedIn profile. Uh, Like uh, for the most part, there's lots of professionals on LinkedIn they know what they're doing they're excellent at their jobs but their profile sucks why do you think it sucks
1: why do you think they need help because they do yeah it's a great question i think a lot of people treat their profile as a cv whereas you know people that have a a job like a job right they typically treat it as as as, um as a cv which is fine but as business owners and entrepreneurs we treat it like a landing page and i'll give you an example One, one of my clients marie who came from uh, another program she was with she spent a lot of money uh, on that program a linkedin optimizing program and uh you know she in in six months she had zero sales one sales call zero sales and she came into our program i'm not saying the other program was bad it's just because ours is a done for you done with you hybrid i actually do the work and me personally not my team i've structured my business so that all i do is really serve my clients and so in saying that, we, we revamped her profile. We didn't even revamp everything, but we re- revamped a good chunk of it. And within a week, she had 10 sales calls and closed three five-figure deals within one week of me nice. revamping her stuff. Right. So a big part of what we do is we put metrics in there and we really dial in, okay, what do your clients really, really want? Not what you think they want, but what do they really, really want? So that's really part of it. And, and there's so much more to it, but that's you know part of the big things that we need to really focus on when we start working with a client.
0: So it's very much step into your customers' moccasins and basically figure out what do they want, what would be attractive for them. So what about their problems and their
1: challenges? Like, do you focus on that and addressing some of those things? Yeah, you have to. You you can't focus. I I can't remember who taught me this, someone, but I'm I'm not intelligent enough to make this stuff up myself, I guess. But someone, I shared this with me and it's like, you can't sell what you want to sell. You got to sell what people want to buy. Yeah. And that was a big epiphany for me because, yeah, you know, I can do this, I can do that, but... Do they actually want that? So we really want to try and make sure that you're you're really providing a service that really dials into their pain points. So
0: if you were guiding someone through this, what's one of the things that you would help them understand about really walking into your customer's shoes? Because this is an old strategy, but most people, A, don't do it. And if they try and do it, they see the world through their eyes and they kind of divine what the customer might be thinking. So how would you coach your clients to really figure out what
1: their customers need? It's a great question because everyone talks about avatar and pain points and and those are good things, your ideal client. And it's true. You got to know that stuff, but the pain point can't be a small pain point, right? It's gotta be something that either keeps them up at night. They need to do this and they need to do it right away. If you can find out what that is, then, then you're golden. For example, what we teach and part of what we teach our clients is let's say your ideal client is say uh, VPs of manufacturing firms or whatever Mm -hmm. it is or let's say it's an entrepreneur uh, in the e-com space, for example. That's not enough. There's two other factors. Number one, are they excited to work with you? Not that they want to work with you, not that it's a good idea, but are they excited to work with you? Meaning you you have solved a pain point that keeps them up at night or is really bothering them. That's the only way they'll be excited to work with you. And the second thing is, can they easily afford you? Not that they can afford you, not that they think it's a good idea, not that they think, again, maybe that might be cool. Can they easily afford you? If you can nail all three of those things, so your actual niche, can they easily afford you? And are they excited to work with you? Then even if you screw up other things, you'll still be very good. You know what I mean? Even if your profile is not great, you'll still do very well.
0: All right, so tell me about one of your clients. Don't name names, you know, protect the innocent and all that who they thought the customer was and they may have gotten that right, what they thought the pain point was and you help them identify, no, that's not it. This is a much better one. So walk us through a real example. I was working with this person, this is what they thought, this is what it actually turned out and this is how I discovered it.
1: Yeah. A lot of my clients come in, they're pretty well versed on a lot of this stuff. It's more about the second part of that so you know who their niche is. they're more. They don't really know about who can easily afford it, or you know, um, are they excited to work with them? So I, I most of my people come in. They know what their target is. They know what their niche is. But I will give an example. One of my my friends, she's not even a client, but one of my friends, his wife was asking me about this exact question, and she does life coaching, which I don't help life coaches. But I'll just you asked for this question, so I'll give you the answer. You can tell we didn't prepare for this, by the way, because you know I wasn't prepared for that question, but it's all good. So basically, the, this lady uh, Tracy who's, like I said, a a friend of a wife of my good friend. She wanted to go after high school students for some kind of life coaching thing. Uh So I asked her, can they easily afford you? Are they excited to work with you? Excited to work with you? Yes. Can they easily afford you? No, it's not your ideal client. But beside that, most of my clients are business people. They already know who their, their market is. So unfortunately, I don't have a really great answer for that. But those two other things are so, so important. And most people forget about those two things.
0: What's interesting is, you know, anytime a professional sports team or a college sports team screws up a lot, a new coach comes in and the first thing they say in every interview ever done in the history of humanity, is like, yep, we're going to go back to the basics because that's the fundamental stuff. And what you're talking about are the basics. Uh, Do we know who we want to go after? How do we get them excited to work with us? That's solving a big problem they've got. And can they afford us easily? And I think that easily part is really important because can anybody afford me? Absolutely. You know, Sell one of your children, sell a kidney, you can afford me. But easily afford me narrows the field, but it also makes your job a lot easier rather than trying to really convince someone to do it. So what would be another tip on the profile, changing the profile from a CV to something that is meaningful to your target audience?
1: I'll give you a couple tips. Number one, the banner, you should have, you should have a picture of you speaking to a group of people in a boardroom at an event. It just creates instant authority. Mm -hmm. number two your profile picture should be a close-up not like of this it should be like just basically your head and a little bit of your chest people want to work with people they like and trust and if you're way in the back like this they can't really see you that's not something they want to that's not someone they're going to want to work with number three your headline your headline should be very compelling the purpose of the headline which is the couple of sentences below your profile picture on your linkedin headline on your linkedin profile should be such that It compels someone to want to go to your about section or your featured section. So you have to write it in such a way, not to sell people, but to get them to want to learn more about you. Brilliant. Makes perfect sense. So as you went from like a dude with an
0: idea to now a company with, you know, staff, what have been some of the challenges for you to be uh, not only the chief janitor, but also now all of a sudden you're a boss and you're like leading people. What were the challenges that you had to overcome to actually be more effective at what you do?
1: great question time blocking for me is everything my day is extremely booked off from the day i from the time i wake up till the time my kids come home from school i am time blocked in a huge way uh another thing that i've learned is because i had other businesses before another thing i've learned is is to delegate as much as you possibly can so for example i have setters that do a lot of the appointment setting i have a head guy that manages that so I don't really deal with all the all the setters, although I come on meetings here and there. But he runs the show, and then he reports to me about what's going on. It's like any other company. But when you're first starting, you don't really do those things. You're not thinking that way. But I, I had that ingrained in me from young to just really make sure you're you're delegating. You're delegating to your uniqueness. Do what's best, what you're good at. Focus on that and delegate everything else. Now, in saying that, you got to train that person first. On yes. what To do, you can't just say, "Hey, go ahead and do it." You can't hire a company. A lot of people, they are being there's a compelling offer right now in the marketplace saying, you know what, we'll give you setters, we'll give you closures, we'll train them. You don't have to do anything. I've done that and it doesn't work. In my experience, maybe it works for some people. In my experience, it doesn't work. You got to get your hands dirty. You got to train your team and not rely on outside help to do that for you. So one of the things you
0: mentioned, Brian, was you were uh, done within a bag of hammers when it came to this and you took a deep dive to really learn it and absorb it and come up with this system. So- Training appointment setters to be effective. What resources would you recommend that you know a business owner, a listener of ours, could read a book, take a course, or is it like trial by fire?
1: Uh, unfortunately, it's trial by fire. I, I, I didn't take any course. I, you know what? I, honestly, I'll tell you what you have to do. You got to sit down and think. And how would you want to be approached on LinkedIn? Would you want to say, "Hey, check out my great website. I can help you do this," and da 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 da, or would well, you want it to be more casual? The way I tell people to do this, and this was, this might be helpful, is pretend you and I are at a restaurant, Umar. Right. And right. Uh, one of my friends, who's your exact ideal client, is having dinner with us. What would you say to them? You wouldn't say, hello, Jason. It's very nice to meet you. You know, you would just say, hey, Jason, nice to meet you. You know, you, you would have a very casual conversation. Yes. So when you write your messaging like that, it's different. Even let's do a small thing like, It is nice to meet you instead of it's nice to meet you. Like I know it's small, but it's that kind of mindset of being a casual, very casual person when you're writing things. Um, That might be be conversational. Be conversational. Don't try to be fancy. Just be conversational.
0: So if you, Jason, and I were having uh, dinner together, I'd be saying things like, Jason, you're so damn good looking. It's really distracting. No, that probably will not work. That probably Uh, wouldn't
1: work. Yeah. He might leave. But, but what you may do, Umar, you might ask him, how's business? How are things going in your company? But you ask questions as relates to the value statement of your business. In other words, if my value state, if, if I do lead generation, I'm not going to ask him about how it's going with his his gen, gen, janitorial uh, department. Right. right. I'm going to say, how, how's business going? Oh, it's going well. Yeah. Well, what, do you guys, what do you guys typically do for uh, to get new clients? Like you guys have a system. Like, What are you guys typically doing? Do you have a department for that? So I would be asking him a question as it relates to what I do, not just about seat of the pants, whatever. So back to common sense. Just
0: yeah. do the basics, do them right. And so in my world, I think intent is incredibly important. Like, what is your intent? If it's to snag a client, people can sense that. If it's to help somebody else out and through the helping you share your expertise and they go, you know what? Let's talk. I'd like to work together. So talk to me about intent. How important is intent in your world?
1: Intentions is everything, right? We, we, we have a thing in our business. It's like, it's all about the client. It's all about our clients. Like, I, I actually have to, get off this, have to get off this. I have a call in one minute with one of my clients. So I apologize. I know I came on late because I was finishing off with another client. But it's just about serving clients. Like we, we are a done for you, done with you hybrid system. I am there for my clients. We have something called Voxer, which is a walkie-talkie app. You probably heard my phone going off. Yes, Those are all clients. I got to respond to those people, right? I'm, I'm available to my clients. Some of these guys are going to say, listen, so-and-so just responded to me. What do I say? I got to tell them what to say. So they have me basically in their back pocket.
0: Brian, thanks so much for being on the show with us today. Learned a lot. I took a lot of notes. And I'm going to go through the transcript because there were lots of gems there. Thanks so much for being on the show.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Real pleasure.
0: If you enjoyed this episode, please go to iTunes and leave a five-star rating. And if you're looking for more tools, go to my website at nolimitselling.com. I've got a free mind training course there that's going to teach you some insights from the world of neuro-linguistic programming and that is the fastest way to get better results.